0: Welcome back to the Second and Two podcast, the show where we talk about all things football. I'm your host, TB. I'm with my co-host, producer, Extraordinaire, um, Hat Connoisseur. Uh he's not wearing one today, though, but you know, yeah. he's got the fresh, he's got the fresh cut, so you had to show off the fresh cut today. Uh, Denver, noted Denver Broncos fan, but bandwagon Rams fan. We accepted <laughs> him. Uh, what else? What else we got for you, JD? Uh, you <laughs> I know, make sure I include all the nicknames. Burgers, you can Mat- grill master, there. grill yeah. master. Uh, I'm my guy, Jody. Jody, what's up, man? What's up, bro? How, how you been? How's the past week been going? You know what, man? Things have uh, things have been pretty bleak in the uh, Bulmer household, considering the. The Lakers taking this big L four O sweep to yeah, the Nuggets. Watch. Shout out the Nuggets though. Really good team. I'll say it now. I think they're gonna win the finals. So Yeah. I, I could I could agree with that. I mean
1: the Heat, they're relying on Jimmy Buckets mainly, and then, you know, they're
0: shooting Celtics, you know. They don't know what they're doing right now. Um it's a good thing for everyone that this isn't a basketball podcast. Uh, <laughs> I would probably be going off right now, but save that for the uh, for the basketball podcast. Um, it's a great thing. This is a this is a football podcast, and uh, we're in the pretty dead period of the off season. OTAs are starting, um, which is kind of fun, but also sort of meaningless because half the players don't actually go to OTAs these days. Yeah. But um, you know, it's something, right? And in the end of May, middle of June is that point of the football off season where we're kinda just looking for anything to talk about. Um so this uh these next few few weeks we'll be talking about each division, giving you a little bit of preview for the twenty twenty three season. Um Joe, who we got who we starting with today? Today we're starting with the AFC East, if I'm not
1: mistaken. So we're looking at the Jets, the Bills, the Patriots,
0: and the Dolphins, right? I believe so, my friend. As Jody said, we got the AFC East starting up today. Um, I mean, I think we'll just start with some interesting tidbits about the AFC East. Um, For one... The Bills are the only team in that division that plays someone coming off a bye, which is important. We'll kind of talk about that as we go in terms of why it's so important to play teams coming off a rest or what what the rest advantage means. Uh, Some other stuff that I wrote down. Did you know, Jody, that the Pats won the AFC East every year from 2009 to 2019? Yeah. The you know, Tom Brady. <laughs> I could have told you that one. <laughs> the Brady era, bro. Every year yeah. from oh nine to nineteen. That's like that's so, a lot of years though. That's dumb. That's eleven that's straight our, years.
1: That's our childhood from like sixth grade forward.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um uh, I for the first one
1: you were telling us with the Bills, I thought you were gonna tell us that they're the only team to have not made the Super Bowl. Or it doesn't oh. have a
0: Super Bowl win that's coming that's coming uh bills fans are already get, like getting anxious right now now positive for the bills they've won this division each of the last 3 years so once oh, they t- yeah once they took it from from brady uh or i guess brady left the division yeah they they kind of took the torch and have won it each of the last 3 years the dolphins last won this division in 2008 that was uh, Bill Parcells taking over, if you remember, kind of taking over as an executive. Uh, Tony Sperano, I believe, was the head coach. Rest in peace. Uh, but it's been a while for the Dolphins fans since they've won the division. The Jets, though, haven't won the division since 2002. They have a playoff drought right now since 2010. That's and, uh Mark Sanchez. Yeah, Mark Sanchez, right? Yeah. So now, interestingly enough, this division has had at least two playoff teams in each of the in five of the last six years. Um, now, what's also interesting is they haven't had their wildcard team um, doesn't make it out of the first round. They haven't had a team do that since 2010 when the Jets went to the AFC Championship. So generally... Yeah, generally it's, it appears this division puts two teams in the playoffs, but one's going to lose in the wild card and the other one's probably going to lose in the divisional round is pretty much how it's been um, for each of the last mm, three, uh, you know, five of the last six years. Yeah, the Bills fans are not happy. And <laughs> finally, maybe worse for last if you're a Bills fan, the Bills are the only team in the division that hasn't won a Super Bowl, of course famously going four times in a row in the 90s and not winning one. Um. So yeah, that's a little bit of a divisional overview for you. I mean, Joe, as we look at this division, I personally sitting here today feel like you're probably going to see two playoff teams come out of this division. I think that feels likely. I don't know yeah. how you feel.
1: That makes sense. I mean, you're looking at the Jets most likely, and probably the Bills. I mean, like you said, the Bills have won their division in the last three years, so. It feels like they wouldn't take that much of a step back. And then the Jets with the new addition of Aaron Rodgers, you could expect them to not only make the playoffs, but potentially even division in some
0: cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the Dolphins, they were a playoff team last year. They added some, you know, some interesting pieces in the offseason, namely Jalen Ramsey. And then the Patriots, it feels like you can never count them out as long as Bill Belichick is their head coach. I mean, he he added an uh, an actual real offensive coordinator this offseason, so that's a step in the (laughs) right direction for Mac Jones. Uh, But obviously we're going to dive deep into all these teams and kind of consider all of those things. So we're going to start with the New York football Jets.
1: Go ahead, take it away, Joe. Yeah, so the Jets' their record last year they finished at seven and ten, that left them fourth in their division overall, which is kind of shocking because they had to good defense in my eyes. They did pretty mm-hmm. well, but mm-hmm. not really. Let's see, they missed the playoffs as I just mentioned. Let's yeah, see, what I mean, was some key additions and losses of players that you seen that they did well over the free- you know I think.
0: I think uh, you look at it, and this may be something that went under the radar, but they lost Mike White in free agency, actually to the Dolphins, a division rival. And Mike White was the guy who played pretty well when he was healthy, um, when he had to come in and play for Zach Wilson. And, you know, And He had some issues with his ribs down the stretch, and so yeah. they struggled actually without him. I think that's a sort of underrated guy that they lost in the offseason. They also lost guard Dan Feeney. Wide receiver Elijah Moore, um, a D lineman, Sheldon Rankins, and then another guard, Nate Herbig. All names that I don't know, unless you're a Jets fan, a lot of people are clamoring about, but um, also all pretty good players, I would say. Elijah Moore had an interesting year last year. That was probably a mutually beneficial move for both sides (laughs) for him to move on, honestly, after he had a big 2021, and then uh, 2022 was just not his year. He didn't quite fit with that offense last year. some of the young receivers that they brought in that sort of supplanted him. And then, of course, the big-time addition of Aaron Rodgers, and it seemed like he brings with him uh, a crew of players, including Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. (laughs) Um, Another big-time signing, though, for them was um, safety Chuck Clark, who should instantly be a starter for them. And then also a little bit underrated maybe or not – as much talked about um receiver Miko Hardman from Kansas city. Um But those weren't their only additions, Joe. They, they added some guys in the draft too, huh? Yeah. So they drafted Will McDonald,
1: the edge rusher in that first round that we talked about. And let's see, they have the center. They added Joe Tipman and a tackle. So they beefed up the line on both sides with, and that tackle's going to be Carter Warren. Hmm. Could be huge for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, to protect him. No doubt. Uh, and then their staff, their coaching staff that they have on hand, they have their general manager, Joe Douglas, head coach, Robert Salah. Old coordinators are going to be Nathaniel Hackett, also his old OC in Green Bay. And defensive coordinators going to be Jeff Oldbridge. Don't know if I got that one
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um... – Obviously, I said Rodgers brings together a crew with him, Alan Zard and <laughs> Randall Cobb. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, once once the Jets went and got him as their offensive coordinator, it became very clear that the Aaron Rodgers idea was more than just an idea. It seemed like it could become pretty likely he would become a Jet, which obviously came to fruition. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Rodgers had multiple MVP seasons with Hackett as his offensive coordinator. He has publicly said that Hackett is his favorite coach that essentially he's ever had. Um, And I think that's a a big deal for him in terms of it's clear that Rodgers feels comfortable with certain coaches and certain players, right? So having Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator and having Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb receivers that he's played with be on the team, I think is pretty important to him. And so, clearly, he's already making himself at home in New York. I think that's probably a good thing for the Jets, quite frankly. Uh, The more at home he feels and the more productive he is, the better off they're going to be. So, um, all of the moves by the Jets, they make sense on on the outside looking in. If we just kind of go through and look at their depth chart right now, you know, at center, it looks like, Joe Tipman will likely step in and you know start pretty early as they're you know being their second round pick. Um, they have at the guard spot, Elijah Vera Tucker, a high pick from before. Now, there was a lot of thought that Mikay Becton would become the right tackle, but um, he actually recently I think it was just um, either today or yesterday, and this obviously I haven't updated it yet um, It appears he was released. So, oh, that may. Um, yeah, there's a, a real deal with um, essentially he hurt his right knee last season playing right tackle. And I guess he kind of told the Jets that, you know, he didn't feel comfortable playing there. He was putting a lot of pressure on his knee and his knee wasn't feeling right. That right knee. He kept telling yeah. him he wanted to play left tackle. I think from the Jets' perspective, they looked at it as like an ego thing. Like, okay, you want to be a left tackle, but you're not a left tackle right now. You're going to be better for us at the right tackle spot. He was looking at it like, now this is like my right knee's hurting. It's better for me to go play left, yada, yada, yada. Eventually, he hurts that knee more seriously and kind of misses most, if not all, of the year. Um, And now it comes to a head where you think going into OTAs, he's going to be their right tackle, and now it appears – he will obviously not be with the team. So um, that's obviously at this point, you know, now with that news, um, not going to be Makaya Beckton. It'll probably be Max Mitchell, it appears. Um, at the left guard spot, they added Lincoln Tomlinson, and then at left tackle, uh, Dwayne Brown. So it'll be interesting to see that Jets' offensive line is going to be critical in terms of keeping Aaron Rodgers upright, who presumably is their starting quarterback. Brees Hall slots back in at running back, I believe, once he's healthy. You know, they also have uh, Zonovan Knight, who should be able to take some carries while Brees Hall is getting right, and hopefully, they they think oh, Michael Brees Carter? Hall. Say it again, there? Michael Carter. Is he still there? Uh, he may be the third back at this mm-hmm. point, but um, and then uh, Zach Wilson. You know she'll will still likely be the backup to Aaron Rodgers yeah. right now. You know we'll we'll see. Um, at receiver, they actually have a lot of receivers. If you look at them now, you know they have Garrett Wilson at that number one receiver spot, backing him up. They still have Corey Davis, who they signed uh, a few years ago in free agency. At at the slot receiver, there's a real interesting battle there between Randall Cobb and Mikol Hardman. Um, I here think that Cobb is going to get the nod just because he's played with Rodgers for so long and Rodgers wow. is comfortable with him. But, you know, I think they'll certainly use Mecole Hardman. And then at the other receiver spot, they have Alan Lazard and Denzel Mims who they just drafted. So there's, a, like, a decent group of six legitimate receivers that I think can all help them. Uh, They also have two tight ends that I like, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. So... From the skill position standpoint, I think the Jets certainly have enough. Um, yeah. what the real question will be for them is up front on that offensive line, can they get right? Especially, you know, moving on from Makai Becton so, you know, so early after after drafting him, you know, that draft now appears to look not very good for them. Um and then defensively, you look at up front, they're gonna have a, a an impressive group with You know, John Franklin Myers, who signed a long-term deal last offseason. Quentin Jefferson. um, Backing him up is actually Solomon Thomas, who played for Robert Sala in uh, San Francisco. Understands that system. Pretty productive player. Never quite lived up to being the number three pick, but still a very good rotational defensive lineman to have. Um, And then and Williams, obviously, there's a little bit of – Deal going on there with him wanting a new long-term deal and the Jets trying to figure that out. Um and then also at the edge you have Carl Lawson and their newly drafted first round pick, Will McDonald. So they have a really good group of guys up front. Um it's part of what, you know, Joe, you said earlier that last offseason, you know, last season they were pretty good defensively. And I would second that a hundred percent. They were really good defensively. Um, and part of it was because they have this this Huge front, you know, that's full of dudes, um, really good players. And, you know, adding Will McDonald in in the draft just gives them another pass rushing option. You know, adding Solomon Thomas um, obviously helps as well. Um, Then also, you know, another edge defender that they have in that rotation, Jermaine Johnson, who they drafted um, last season out of Florida State, who also had a, a pretty productive rookie year. So a lot of really good players up front. In the linebacker core, you've got Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley. Also, Zaire Barnes may give them some run. Um, And then in the secondary, the tandem of CJ Reed and Sauce Gardner were a revelation last year at corner. Jordan Whitehead at safety, bringing in Chuck Clark to play the other safety spot. And then they've got Jamie and Sherwood as like the nickel, you know, nickel corner, third safety, whatever you want to call it, to help in that. Robert Sala, four-man, you know, cover three look that they're in most of the time. So I think there's plenty of talent on this team, certainly adding Rodgers, upgrades them. But, you know, a big part of this is going to be, you know, how the, what kind of start they can get off to and what their schedule looks like. So that's, that's important to look at too. Yeah, I had a quick question before we take a look at their schedule. It's kind of yeah, dumb, I mean, but...
1: I was gonna say, do you think Sauce Gardner and Aaron Rodgers are beefing at all, just based off vibes? You know, my guy went out there threw on the cheese head last year.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know. Yes, he did, but then if you notice, Sauce Gardner was big in like trying to recruit Aaron Rodgers there, and they actually went to a Knicks game together like two yeah, weeks ago. It was like them in like Priest Hall, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so I think uh, it's more of a big bro, little bro thing now at this point yeah. than, than any kind of beef. So I'm sure <laughs> that uh, – I think I think Sauce is probably just happy to have that guy on his team now, you know? Yeah, a uh, quarterback they could all get behind. Hopefully make plays for them. Yeah. But yeah,
1: looking ahead to that schedule for next year. We got a, a great week one. We got the Jets versus – or I guess week one matchup for them. I don't know, that sounds Yeah. Funny. Very broad when I said it the first time. So yeah, their first game, they're playing Monday night against the Bills. Hmm. That comes off hot, straight divisional game already. Yeah. After that, they, they fly out to Jerry World, play the Cowboys. Then they go they go back home, play the Patriots that following week for week three. Then we get another fun one. Another team that, that's always fun to watch. We got the Chiefs, they're playing them Sunday night. For week mm-hmm. four. And they fly out to Denver. And Daniel Hackett gets to go back there after. Yeah. Interview. Yeah. I'm sure, he's to to be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's
0: going to be. I'm sure he's going to be amped for that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. The fans are going to love, him. show him some
0: love, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, let's see. Then week six, they go back home, play the Eagles. Then they get their bye week, week seven. How do you feel about the week seven bye? Is that a little early for you? What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, this is what I would say. Obviously, you know, if you're getting your bye week before week eight, it definitely feels early in the season. Probably makes things a little tougher. And quite frankly, though, like looking at the schedule, the toughest part of their schedule is those first, those first six weeks are brutal. Yeah. Um. I mean, just what you just laid out, you know, the only thing that's really helpful for them is that, Four out of those six games are at home. So you do get True. to be at home quite a bit. But you're talking two primetime games, you know, one against a divisional opponent. You know, you got you have to go to the Cowboys and then you have to go two mile high, right? Those are two tough environments to play in. You're playing the defending NFC champs and the Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champs and the Chiefs. Um, you know, the Patriots a division opponent. And then the Broncos is all the baggage that, you know, just Nathaniel Hackett personally has. And then having to go two mile high and, you know, play at Denver, that's not a tough, you know, not an easy place to play. So I just think the Jets have to weather the storm of those first six weeks. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a really tough slate of games for them to open the year with, you know, without Rodgers having any kind of benefit of like getting on track with his guys and coming out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, you got to come out of the gates and you're playing at home with the Bills on Monday night football, right? Like this is your chance to let the country know, you know, if the Jets are going to be real this year or not. And I think a lot of Jets fans, you know, Jets fans are kind of, I don't know if anyone's like Eagles fans, but Jets fans are (laughs) like Eagle fans in in the sense that they're going to either jump on the bandwagon and be all in. Or if you're not performing, they're going to be upset <laughs> yeah. so I feel like it's so imperative for the Jets to just weather this storm and I actually think considering those first six weeks being so brutal the week seven bye is not the worst thing in the world um Makes and sense. the nice thing is you know you could look at it coming out of the bye you know and I'll, I'll let you kind of take it away from there but like really coming out of the bye they get two home games after the bye and, and they get the yeah. home game against the Eagles they get the bye and then they get two home games coming out of that. It's not a bad stretch there
1: yeah, they that so week eight like you said they have to they you could say they quote unquote get the home game quote unquote have to travel you know what I mean but they're mm-hmm. playing New York, they're playing the Giants, so they just got to flip lock locker rooms I guess I don't really know yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's see, see week, week nine, nine they're, they're playing, playing the Chargers, Chargers at home Monday, Monday night games as well could be, could be fun, fun. Mm-hmm. you have the young the young blood, blood uh, Herbert Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert coming, coming out here playing. playing the, the vet the, the savvy, savvy vet Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rogers.
0: Then and they, they gotta, gotta travel, travel to Las Vegas.
1: Vegas. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're playing, playing the Raiders. Raiders. Another Sunday night game. Another prime time back to back right there. Yep. And then they go out to Buffalo week eleven. Uh what is that? Is that like November time? Could be snowing maybe, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But nothing nothing Aaron Rodgers isn't used to at this point. True. And then Week 12, they're playing the Dolphins at home. It's on Black Friday. This is yep. the first,
0: first Friday first game. Lever- Black Friday game, yep. That, yeah. should be, that should be a fun one, actually. Jets, Dolphins, kinda, they won't have played each other yet. That's like the start kicks off the back half of the year for the, the Jets. Yeah, that should be a fun game.
1: Yeah, and then the last, the last six were rolling. Week 13, the Falcons at home. Texans at home. And they go out to they go out to Miami, play the Dolphins again. And they got the Commanders at home and then their last two games are both on the road. They're playing the Browns on a Thursday night
0: game. And the Patriots in uh, Gillette Stadium. Yeah. I think Like I said, the the toughest stretch of that schedule, I think, is gonna be the opening six weeks. But I do think they have a stretch of games, weeks 13 through 17 that are are pretty winnable like you yeah. know they get the Falcons and the Texans home back to back you know and really they get the three game homestand with the Dolphins Black Friday then the Falcons and the Texans at home they go to the Dolphins but then they come back home and they get to play the Commanders and i think that trio of the Falcons Texans Commanders could be three of the you know bottom 6 7 teams in the league this year yeah. so you get those three at home And then your two road games are the Browns and Dolphins. Like going to Miami in December is not the worst thing in the world, quite frankly. (laughs) And then the Browns, you know, it's a Thursday night football game. Who knows that that could be that Browns game feels like it's either going to be a really tough game or, you know, a game where they should feel good about winning. And then obviously finishing the year at the Patriots is not, it's not easy, but I think that week, like 12 to 16 range for them is the oh, easiest yeah. stretch of their schedule, um, with the the toughest games in there being you know those two Dolphins division divisional games. But I don't know, Jerry. I mean, you see it any differently in terms of the tough and the easy, easy stretches of their schedule? No, I mean, in terms of like a four week
1: range, I think that's the, about as the best you could get right there. Yeah, I mean, if anything, maybe after their bye week, coming off that bye, you get staying in New York versus the Giants, you get the Chargers at home and the Raiders like maybe, like not necessarily the Chargers, but the Raiders could be easy, the Giants could be potentially easy. I mean, I'm not trying to knock either of those teams, but the Giants have have had the claw for all their wins last year, winning by a couple mm-hmm. points, and the Chargers, like, they always have that injury buck, so who knows We nine if if anything has happened or not the Raiders I think there's still a question mark there with Jimmy G but that's a that's a conversation for another day
0: correct (laughs) correct yeah I mean I think there's a an element where they maybe they start slow but finish strong I I would guess with with Rodgers just getting acclimated to what they do and despite Having Nathaniel Hackett and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, it is still a, a new environment for the first time ever in his career. So, that'll so, yeah, be fun to watch them. Let's see. So, out of their was the 17 games, what do you think their record's gonna end up coming out to be? Well, I mean, I think they're gonna end up being 11 and six. Um, you know, just looking at it, you know, they like I said, I, I think they start slow. Maybe they crawl to the bye at three and three, but I think if they get to that bye week at three and three, that's a total win for them. Yeah, uh, and then maybe they finish the year strong, coming out of the bye, you know, winning eight out of their last eleven. That's kind of how I see it. That's my my guess. Because um, they do have some tough divisional games. That division is not easy. The AFC East is going to be a really tough division this year, I believe. True. And then having to play the AFC West and the nfc um the uh nfc east you know are not easy draws i mean the the yeah. the schedule is is not great, very accommodating even for a team that finished last in their division last year so <laughs> um obviously like i said there's a definite stretch on the back half of their season of winnable games but um oh. i see them going 11 and 6. What about you? Uh, I have them
1: doing a little bit better at 13 and 4. I I mean the way I say I think the like you said the first 6 games are going to be tough. Yeah. But I think like over the, the course of the year they'll probably split it with the Bills. You know, maybe they lose the first one, but win the second one. I don't really know. That Cowboys game, I feel like the Cowboys are going to come out slow in the beginning of the year. I, mean, I don't know who their week one matchup is, but just that's just the way I see it. <clears> Patriots <throat> seems like a very winnable game, same with the Broncos. Chiefs and Eagles, I think they win maybe one of those two. Don't know which one. So I, I, I have them coming out four and two off rip, and then <clears> only <throat> losing two other games maybe. Like I said, like they split one with the, uh, the Bills, sorry. And then in those other games, like, they, they win like or they lose a couple games by a couple points. Like that Giants, I was talking about how they lost mm-hmm. by very, very close game at the end. Probably something like that. But I don't really know who that could be besides maybe the Chargers and the Giants. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think um, they, they are going to be a team that people have their eye on all year, of course. I yeah. mean, they got five primetime games plus the Black Friday game, so... They're definitely an intriguing team that I think a lot of people are excited to watch because everyone wants to know if Rogers still has it, right? True. And if that's the the missing piece from last year, like everyone yeah. said. Yeah. Well, one
1: one quick note before we flip the page, did did you make that Aaron Rodgers,
0: uh, photo right there? Oh, little little uh, little a rod, uh, um, switch up York, with the yeah. jersey. A little A Rod edit, yeah, 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 I got you. How'd you come up with eight? That's his number. That's what he said he's gonna wear. Oh, okay. I was just saying, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, His number's twelve, but I mean, you know, he yeah. He can, he said he's gonna wear number eight in uh, oh. in New York. Kobe. All right, yeah, high
1: expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There you <laughs> go. Um, yeah, who are we looking at next
1: in the division?
0: Well, you know, I did want to look at. Oh, yeah, man. the I
1: forgot
0: about the, the Jets, Any you know, trend. I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I just, I'm curious. I want to know, you know, I started asking myself, I was looking at this thing and I said, well, you know, is Roger still elite and how does he change the Jets' offense if he is? like?" Because I think that's a real question on everyone's mind is, you know, how good can Aaron Rodgers still be at this age? You know, I mean, you look at, you know, he was the MVP in 2020 and 2021, back to back. And then you look at his decline in 2022 and you ask yourself if that was a product of what was going on around him or if that was a product of him getting too old, you know? And so I want to, you know, I was kind of asking myself, like, how efficiently can he slide into this Jets team and their, their culture and fit in in New York? And, you know, but really I was looking at Just I I watched a lot of Jets tape in terms of what they ran offensively last year and what was Zach Wilson doing, you know, because obviously he caught a lot of flack, right? And so I think there's a lot of plays like this. You know, this is third and and pardon the tape here a little bit. We got a little bit of a choppy green flashing tape here just for (laughs) a second, but this is third and seven um, against the Steelers this year, a, a game that actually the the Jets ended up winning. But you know he you can see Zach Wilson is looking to this far side. He's, this is Garrett Wilson, right, his best receiver. Yeah. And so he, he's trying to get the ball to his playmaker, and he does, and he gets it to him, but it's short of the sticks, right? And if you go yeah. back, um, you know, if I can start this thing over, you'll see over here, you know, as he's staring at his receiver to that side, Look at Corey Davis at the top of the screen coming wide open. Toast. Right. He never gets or even over the there. dude running
1: across the middle right there. Like,
0: yes. He, <laughs> sticks, on, he sticks on Garrett Wilson because he says, sweet. that's my best guy. I need to get him the football. And he doesn't go through the progression. And so now, yes, he completes a pass, but is short of the sticks. And so it doesn't keep the, the, the possession moving. Right. And he misses yeah. that ball over the top. Now, consider this in a third and five. Similar set, you know, different area of the field, but very similar um, lineup from you know, in, in terms of their formation from the Packers, and again, his best receiver Devontae Adams is over on this single cut side, and you'll see what Rodgers does and why he's so good. For one, in the third and five situation, everyone, if they if they understand football, is yelling, "Watch hard count, right?" Yeah, earmuffs. Yeah. Don't listen, right? And he gets them to the jump. So that's one. Rogers is a free master play. at getting that free play on third down. Yep, he loves it, right? He's going to look initially to this side, right? But look where the safety is. Yeah. That guy is shading to Devontae Adams, right? And a one high safety look, you've got man all across the board. He's going to shade that way. Rogers is going to look there initially, but eventually he gets back to the field and he's going to find his guy. And in a very similar route concept, a guy has his man beat one-on-one and he gets it to him. And that's really the difference between what Zach was you know, doing last year and what Rodgers could potentially give them this year. You know, Not only the hard count, the wherewithal to get the Vikings to jump, but then also the ability to get through his progressions quicker and find guys open, not latch on. And you can see it from this angle really well initially his eyes are over here and he's going to get over here really quick because he sees that safety in the middle of the, you know, not in the middle of the field, really shading towards his best guy. So he says, okay, that means I have all men, all one-on-ones to the field. I'm going to get back. I'm going to yeah. trust that one of my guys gets one-on-one and wins. And, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling in this case does, and he gets him the ball. And so, again, if we go back to the, you know, the very first play, um, looking at Zach Wilson again, again, You can see right here, Corey Davis is wide open. And again, the safety is shading where? Over towards this side of the field. And so it's a very similar play where he sticks on and forces the ball to his best receiver. Rodgers is able to get off of it and get to the next, you know, get to the true one-on-one and trust his other guys to make plays. And I think that's the real difference right now in what these two offenses potentially look like, you know, between having Wilson last year and now Rodgers this year. I think... The other thing is the tandem of Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers as a as a duo versus Lafleur and Zach Wilson. One, I think Rodgers and Hackett are much more on the same page. Um, but two, True. I think they're just the older, like more efficient, done it more version of what the Jets had last year. You know, Lafleur is not running an offense that's that different from what Hackett's going to run. Um, very, you know, zone based to run some RPOs here and there. They're going to attack the field vertically, right? Like all that stuff's still pretty similar. They're, they're not changing much schematically, but what you are getting is a more polished version in a play caller. I think and Nathaniel Hackett, for all his faults as a head coach last year, I think <laughs> he's still a very good play caller. And then Rodgers, you know, being the wiser, maybe more advanced version of what Wilson gives you. Because, you know, the thing that people liked about Wilson was his ability to throw off platform, his ability to extend plays, his ability to play off schedule. Well, Rodgers does all that, but he's also wily enough at this point in his career and, you know, has seen enough football that he's very efficient on schedule. And he only plays off schedule when he absolutely has to. Wilson tried to kind of do that too much. Um, And he tried to live in that. And I think that's, you know, that's the problem that so many young quarterbacks have. and so. You know, I think this team will be much better for the, all of those reasons. Even if you have a slightly diminished version of Rogers to the 2021 season, but maybe a, a little bit better version of what you got in 2022. This this team with this defense could be potentially very good. And that's why I have them finishing eleven and six.
1: Phil luck. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to see just like the the more zoned in that Zach Wilson was on one dude, especially I mean, I guess he has he has two on that side of the field, so it was a little different. But that could just be
0: like the maturity thing or like growth factor, you know,
1: not having that no, much yeah.
0: time in the league.
1: No, no doubt. and I
0: think it'll probably be good for Zach Wilson to play, you know, to be around Aaron Rodgers for a year and to see what that looks like. And then next year, we'll see what happens. Whether this is a one-year deal with Rodgers, two-year deal, whatever. Maybe Wilson moves on. Maybe Rodgers moves on. I don't know, but yeah, this year he'll get with Rodgers. I think should. Be very helpful to him if he has any chance at salvaging his career. Yeah, I feel that. Going looking
1: ahead for the next team in the division, we're looking at the Dolphins. They finished nine and eight last year, being second in the division, just squeezing it into the playoffs, for, and they lost in the wild card. Who, uh, who do you think they lost was like a a big loss for them? I, I got one
0: in mind, but. Well, I mean, I think the biggest one is they didn't really use Mike Jeseki at tight end. Um yeah. not like they and they they did a better job with him last year. Um obviously they tried to trade him going into the year, didn't quite work out and with you know the writing was on the wall when they tried to trade him, but um for that being the case, I thought he had a pretty productive year. Clearly not the same as his, you know, 2020 year, I think where he was really really good. So he he was a semi big loss. I mean, I think the bigger loss maybe was their safety, Eric Rowe. Um, That was kind of a a big deal. They are replacing a punter. You know, that's something that people generally are like, oh, uh, the punter. But like that makes a big difference in field position. So Thomas Morstead is a very good veteran punter, had been doing it in the league forever. And uh, so that's something that, you know, to keep your eye on that they make sure they have a competent punter. And then Melvin Ingram, twilight of his career, he won't be back. Um, so, not you know, not a whole lot to speak of in terms of the losses. The real yeah, the key addition. the real at- attention was on the additions. You know, trading for Jalen Ramsey, signing David Long Jr., you know, signing Mike White to be the backup quarterback in, the, in as insurance for Tua, and um, then also bringing in Dan Feeney. So, brought in a couple of Jets that. You know, we're big losses for the Jets, big additions for the Dolphins, right? So, um, I do think while Jalen Ramsey is the splashy headline, those other three guys, particularly David Long Jr., are going to make this team a lot better going into 2023. Yeah, and a couple dudes that they draft that we talked about too. They had Cam Smith, corner, Cam
1: Smith. Devin A. Chain, the running back. I like A. Chain. He, I forgot where he was from. Was he Texas A&M? Texas A&M. Okay, yeah. Oh, they had Elijah Higgins as a receiver and a tackle, Ryan Hayes. So they beefed up a decent amount of the skill positions right there from the draft. Yep. Hopefully one of them pans out. Let's see. Their general manager that they got is Chris Greer. Greer? I don't know. Which one's correct. Sorry about the Greer. There it is. Mike McDaniel, no S on that man. Also at the Miami game recently, if you seen that, yeah, I another did. Offensive coordinator is Frank Smith, and they got the DC Vic Fangio, also another former Bronco guy.
0: <laughs> a lot of former Broncos head coaches. Uh, they've unfortunately for you, Joe, and your fandom, have had a lot of them in recent yeah. years. Um, Vic Fangio comes much heralded after taking a you know basically a season off. Um, He's gonna he's gonna make a real difference in that Dolphins defense in terms of what they're doing. I'll I'll probably go into that a little bit for you schematically why they're gonna look so different this year with Vic Fangio versus um, what they had last year. But um, that's you know adding Vic Fangio and Jalen Ramsey and David Long Jr. to that defense should be uh, make it make it look very different. Just going through there. You know, they're projected starters. Obviously, they have Teron Armstead at, at left tackle. Liam Eichenberg at the left guard spot. Um, they brought in Connor Williams and Dan Feeney uh, to compete compete at center. Um, then at right guard, Robert Hunt, the famous, um, you know, m- many people may know him as the, the famous, like, offensive lineman touchdown against the Ravens on Thursday Night Football a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, – Uh, Austin Jackson at right tackle they also brought in Isaiah Wynn to possibly compete at one of those tackle spots Um, so I think uh, offensively up front they should be good enough to keep Tua on his feet this year Um, obviously big story for them is you know if Tua can stay healthy and not you know get another concussion obviously for both the Dolphin season, but then also just for his long-term health as a person, you know, a lot of people are worried his about him in the
1: NFL.
0: Yeah, just I mean, but even just like living his life, <laughs> you yeah. know, like no, I mean, you're like not li- life after football, like just <laughs> hope that dude does not get another concussion. Like I'll probably watch Dolphins games and really be like, please keep Tua safe. Um, and then at running back, they're super deep. Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson Jr., both guys that you know, um, Mike McDaniel worked with in San Francisco, and then they had, you know drafted Devin a. Chain, who you know if you guys remember my comp for him was Lamar Miller, a former Dolphin running back. So, a lot of speed in that backfield now, a lot of versatility. I know Mike McDaniel's going to have a good time with those guys, um, and then finishing off the skill positions, they have Jalen Waddle, um, River Craycraft. Tyree Kill, Cedric Wilson, Chosen Anderson, and Braxton Barrios as their receiving group. Um, a a also lot of
1: another Jet guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Robbie Chosen Anderson is an is an interesting guy. Braxton Barrios, yes, another former Jet that they were able to add on. Um, and then at tight end should be kind of interesting this year with the loss of Jaceki. Um Durham Smythe should step into the role. And then Eric Saubert is another guy that could potentially play there for them. It's just a spot to keep your eye on for them as the, as the year goes. Um Defensively, though, is where it gets real interesting in terms of, you know, what they've got going on. I mean, at the edge positions, you know, Jalen Phillips, um, you know, Bradley Chubb, Andrew Van Ginkle and Zach Seiler make up their edge players. Um, that's a pretty good group you know obviously they traded for Bradley Chubb in the middle of the season last year came in and gave them an extra pass rushing punch Jalen Phillips was really good down the stretch for them especially when they lost to and they really had to rely on their defense a little bit more Um, and then you know Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins inside um, are two big dudes they lack a little bit of depth behind those guys but um, certainly will lean on those guys I think and then at the linebacker spots, they have a have a awesome duo of of um, Jerome Baker and now David Long Jr. Those are two really good linebackers. Um, probably, you know, if you're looking across the league, I don't know if there are a whole lot of teams that have two guys that are I think as good as the, you know as good and as young as these two guys are. Um, and then you know you look at their secondary. I believe my personal opinion is. Cam Smith, their their uh, second round pick, is probably going to slide into the slot. Cater um, Kohu has played there for them um, last year, but kind of think Cam Smith is a more talented player. They spent that second round pick on him. I think that's where he'll likely play, unless, you know, Xavier Howard becomes a cap casualty, for, you know, because he hasn't been able to stay healthy very much. But likely, I think it's Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard on the outside, Cam Smith in the slot, and then. You've got Javon Holland, and and then Brandon Jones and Deshaun Elliott are in a fun position battle for that other safety spot with the loss of Eric Rowe. So um, that's what you're looking at for that Dolphins defense. Yeah, you know, sitting here, I don't want to get ahead of
1: myself, so I'm going to just talk about the schedule real quick, actually. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So they start off on the road. They go to L.A. playing the Chargers. And they play the Patriots in uh, Gillette Stadium on a Sunday night game, week two. Then they have their first home game versus the Broncos, week three. And then they're back traveling. They're going to Buffalo, playing the Bills, week four. Let's see, week five, we're playing at home, Miami, against the Giants. And they stay there, play the Panthers. Then they're back on the road, in Philly. Sunday night game, and then they're playing, going home week eight, playing the Patriots. And they got they got the ultimate travel here. They got to go to Germany, playing the Chiefs. That's going to be tough. And they get their bye week for that following week at week 10. Playing in Vegas here. Or, no, not in Vegas, sorry. They're playing Las Vegas at home. Week 11, week 12, they're playing the Jets. That's a Black Friday game as well. Oh, wait, yeah. same game. Never mind.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. The Black Friday game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, we have two. And then I was like, wait, that's the same game we just talked about. <laughs> week 13, they're playing in D.C., playing the Commanders. Week 14, Monday night game, they're playing the Titans at home. Mm-hmm. And they're staying at home, playing the Jets. And they got the Cowboys at home. So, a nice little three week stay at home. And they're on the road the last two games they got. They got the Bills. Week eighteen, sorry, got ahead of myself. Week seventeen
0: to play in the Ravens, so a couple fun ones there at the end as well. Yeah, I would say that that uh, that final four games is a brutal stretch for the for the Dolphins, yeah. you know, and they have to finish the last two on the road. But to play the Jets, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills to finish the year, you know, I mean that could be potentially zero and four. You know, yeah. I mean, those are four December, not taking a dump in December. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that's a that's a brutal stretch. Those four teams could all be fighting for playoff spots. I mean, I think we anticipate all four of those teams, pending injury, would yeah. all be playoff teams this year. And I mean, so that's a that's a really rough finish, and also have to finish at the Ravens and at the Bills. You could yeah. be playing, you know, back to back snow games, you know, in, in January. <laughs> to finish the year as a you know warm weather team <laughs> Gosh, that's just brutal to me um so yeah those final two in the cold at the very least yeah that, that that last four games I think is a really tough stretch however I would say that they do have a nice stretch you know week three through six where they get to play three of those four games at home and those three out of the four are you know versus the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. I think those are three very winnable games for them early in the year. You know, you think if you're catching the Broncos early in the season, I think that's better while Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are still getting on the same page. You know, catching the Panthers in week six with their rookie quarterback earlier in the year, I think that's also probably better for them. Um, you know, I think the Giants we'll see what happens with the Giants. So, you know, they they paid some guys this offseason. They Potentially got better, maybe not. You know, we talked about, you know, I think you mentioned they won a lot of games close last year, so maybe there's a little bit of regression to the mean for them this year. Um, so those are three variable winnable games. Obviously, the at bills not, you know, uh fantastic. <laughs> the easiest thing. Yeah. So um, but I think uh yeah, this uh this is a favorable stretch for them um kind of in the in the beginning of the year and then obviously having the really tough finish to to end the year out.
1: Yeah, so with that being said, what do you think
0: they finish
1: overall on the season? Well,
0: looking at it, I think they're a 10 and 7 football team. I think last year they were 9 and 8 and I think they got better. They finished 9 and 8 with their quarterback missing multiple games. Um they're Defensive coordinator getting fired, and yet they made the playoffs. They finished nine and eight, and they were very competitive in a playoff loss against the Bills. And so, when I look at their roster, I think they got better. I see no reason why they wouldn't be a better football team this year, unless you just do not believe in Tua Tagovailoa at all. Um, but I saw enough from him in Mike McDaniel's offense last year that I believe in that offense, and I believe that defense will be much improved under Vic Fangio. Uh, I think they play in a really hard division. I think they have some tougher games, especially that finish at the end of the year. However, I think I see them being improved as a football team, so therefore I gave them the 10-7 and 7 record.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I first did this, I thought, you know, there's going to be some, some regression in my eyes. You know, know I don't know why, why. Just, just simply. I guess I had, I had some question, question marks. marks. But, but as, as I sat here this, this whole, whole time, time was I was like, like what was, what was I, I thinking? thinking? Uh, they're definitely <laughs> be better than eight and nine. But when, when I, I first did this, this I was—I guess—I was, I guess I was, I was very, very pessimistic on their
0: season. season. And they're going eight, eight and nine. But, well, it's—it's yeah. it's hard because, like, I think generally we tend to look at every team in a vacuum, right? And you're like, okay, well, this team is better, so they should be better. But there's always teams that end up being worse than we expect, or there's always that injury that happens that we didn't anticipate, and so. Yeah. The, that's why these predictions end up getting so hard because if you really sit there and pick like every game, you'll uh-huh. be surprised at like, oh, I thought this team would be better. But like when I actually pick all their games, they're like six and 11 or what, yeah. you know, whatever.
2: <laughs> so it, it
0: becomes a lot harder than you anticipate. And, um, you know, and and you can't pick every team to be improved. There's definitely some teams who are going to have to be worse. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think it's outrageous to say the Dolphins, you know, maybe – Tua gets hurt or – I I think
1: that's where I was going with it. But it's also like – I don't know. The way you talked about the defense just made me think like if anything, they're probably carrying them, you know, like if they ever came to
0: be the problem. I do think that defense should be better. I mean, obviously the big question for them is can Tua stay healthy? But, you know, I think the next big question is how do those additions of of Jalen Ramsey and Vic Fangio change that Dolphin defense. So I did yeah. kind of want to look at that a little bit. Um, the first thing I'll tell you, so I went back and looked at Vic Fangio the last time he was a defensive coordinator, which was in 2018, um, with the Bears. And that Bears defense, if you remember, carried Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs, went 11-5 mm-hmm. and five and went to the playoffs, right? Was um, this
1: when they got Khalil? Or- yep.
0: That was when they had Khalil Mack and and Vic Fangio was the defense coordinator and they had all that talent on defense. Yeah. Akeem Hicks, like all those dudes. So Fangio that year blitzed 20% of the time, 20.3%. And then even the next year as the head coach of the Broncos in 2019, he blitzed 24.9%. And then I believe in 2020 – so like – Vic never had a year where he's blitzing over like 26% of the time um, in his last year as a DC and then the last few years as a, as a head coach with the Broncos. <laughs> last year, the Dolphins blitz 33% of the time. Wow. So schematically, the Dolphins, what they did um, with, I believe their defense coordinator was Josh Boyer. Um, they were uber-aggressive. So, for instance, against the the Bills, on a third and 15, look at how they're lined up. (laughs) This is third and 15. Third and 15. Um, The old school, like, engage eight Madden defense, right? They're going to send the house and play man with everyone. Now, this is what we call a feast or famine defense because this could very easily end in a sack. But if it doesn't, now you're taking the gamble that all your guys can live in one-on-one and be good enough. This is, I believe, Xavier Howard versus Stefan Diggs up top.
1: Just, you why will see. Make a move.
0: Well, you will see Stephon Diggs just runs right by him, and that is the problem when you play man coverage like that, as your dudes can get beat. Right. That's I mean, wild. you see it again from, it from this angle. He just ran around. I mean, he just ran past him. You know, he's the guy running full speed versus the guy backpedaling. You know, I mean, that, again, what I will say too, and I want to make clear for everyone watching or listening, it's really easy to cherry pick plays and to make your point, right? To be like, okay, well, here's a play that shows, like, why this Dolphin defense, you know, fans likely sucks. You know, that might be the term that is used. Here's why this defense sucks, right? And I can easily show you a clip that says, oh, here's why this defense sucks. But guess what? I can also find a clip that tells you, look at this def- Dolphins defense. It's third and 15, and they created a sack. They, weren't, they didn't sit back and yeah. let Josh Allen run around and pick him apart. They, they blitzed him, and they forced the issue, and they got <laughs> the sack, right? There are yeah. just as many of those plays, right? That's why I say it's feast or famine. And in reality, I can do that for any scheme or any team or anything like that, right? Any player. Same thing with the Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers stuff. What I'm asking you to do if you're watching or listening is trust that I watched enough of these. So I'm trying to, you know, enough of this tape that I'm trying to show you what's representative of what's happening more often than the other outcome, right? And so with the Dolphins defense, they were very famine last year. They weren't feasting as much. In 2020, 2021, they're feasting a little bit more with all that blitzing. Last year, not so much. And so I think this is why Mike McDaniel made the change because he said, you know what? It doesn't fit the personality of what we're doing right now with our team. We need our defense to not give up so many big plays. So enter Vic Fangio, who is going to play a lot more too high style of defense. Vic Fangio plays a lot of the defense, you know, three-man front, too high safety. That's a lot of the things that, quite frankly, like we do in our defensive scheme. You know, obviously at, at a high school level, I'm not saying we're running Vic Fangio's defense or anything by that, but like structurally, it looks similar, right? So he's going to find a way to generally bring that fourth rusher. But other than that, he's not going to bring five or six a whole lot, right? He's not going to blitz a whole lot. He's going to play a lot more quarters, um, you know, match quarter concepts with two high safeties, right? And so this is a clip from 2018, that 2018 Bears defense I was talking about, where you'll see they'll rotate safeties too. They'll do some different stuff where it starts too high, but they're going to rotate safeties on the snap, and maybe they're getting too – You know, for instance, a cover three where it becomes a one high post snap, but you just don't see that safety move because you think, you know, pre-snap you see too high, right? So this is the Bears defense against Sam Bradford. Again, you know, that Bears defense carried them that year. You see the score 14-3. This was a game the Bears came back and won 16 to 14, right? So they held the Cardinals scoreless like the entire second half. And this is one of the big plays that they made in, in order to do it. But you'll see. This safety, right, there's another safety out of the picture that you can't see, Eddie Jackson. So it's a two-high shell. It looks a lot like quarters. But the way this safety sits on stuff, it essentially becomes a one-high. It ends up looking a lot more like cover three. Now Bradford sees this safety sitting down, right, and he thinks he's got one-on-one with the corner and his receiver is inside leverage of that corner. So he's going to take that one-on-one shot. But look who's coming across over the top that other safety rotating over, and hence why that too high safety, that too high shell ends up being so effective, especially if you're moving safeties. And so it creates a pick, right? So there's a very, you know, hopefully with that tape you can see while I cherry-picked a, you know, maybe tough play for the Dolphins defense last year and a great play for that Vic Fangio defense in 2018 to showcase the difference between the two schematic ideas, Hopefully, it's, it helps you understand. Like this is going to be a very different looking deep Dolphins defense this year. Yeah,
2: um,
0: and I think I would say, based on their personnel and based on what they do offensively and, and the personality of their team, I would guess that this is much more effective for them this year as opposed to what they were doing last year.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: even I mean they got Jalen Ramsey now too, can help. Mm-hmm. With with that type of schematics too, so I mean it all makes sense. We're gonna be looking at the Bills now though. We got them finishing last year at thirteen and three. They were first overall in the division, and that leaves them in the playoffs losing in the divisional
0: round. Mm-hmm. Um they lost. The big, big loss for them was Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, I think that was a tremendous loss, um, and I'll kind of talk about him later. But I do think that's going to be a big hole for them to fill, losing the backup quarterback Case Keenum again. These backup quarterbacks, man, they're they're gold. You gotta have them, yeah. and when you don't, it it'll show up in the worst way when you when you're not thinking about it, right? And so I yeah. think having him a veteran guy behind Josh Allen last year was very helpful. Um, gave him a little bit of confidence that if anything happened to Josh, they would be okay. And now losing that guy, you know, that makes things a lot tougher. And then I think the next two guys that they lost actually were not the worst thing in the world. It kind of made room for some younger players, Devin Singletary and Isaiah McKenzie, um, both like good players for them last year. But I think the bills were okay with letting those guys walk in free agency because they had other players at those positions that I think they felt were ready to step into those positions. Um, In terms of their key additions, not a whole lot to speak about. They added Connor McGovern, who should slide in at guard for them. Um, Deontay Hardy at receiver. Um, Puna Ford on the D-line should actually be another good rotational piece for the already pretty deep D-line. And then Taylor Rapp could be very interesting on that team. I'm curious to see what role they have him play could play maybe that kind of third safety if they're going like a true nickel versus like a slot corner. Um, it'll be interesting. I think he'll he'll play a decent amount, though, because they they gave him some money. So um, while he may not start, I think he's going to play enough to make that worth their while. So uh-huh. that would be my guess. Yeah, and then a couple dudes that they had in the draft that we also talked
1: about, tight end Dalton Kade. My guy out of Utah. We got the George, the, the, George. <laughs> the guard <laughs> out of Florida, <laughs> Osiris Torrance, who we talked about in our draft briefly, and linebacker Dorian Williams. And, you know, okay. The reason I said George is when you're doing the phonetic outfit at my work, that's the that's the G one. <laughs> so I, why did I say it? I don't know, but that's that's, but the mindset in behind work the mode G mode right now. Yeah. Uh, those, <laughs> their their management staff that they got there in Buffalo, they got Brandon. Uh, is it Bean? Yeah, it straight Bean. Yeah, as their general manager, their head coach Sean McDermott, their offensive coordinator to Ken Dorsey, and
0: looks like their DC is unavailable. They they're they're on the look on the hunt for someone right now. It's it's vacant right now. I'll I'll talk about that too. Uh, well, I'll just say something now. I mean. Leslie Frazier retired in uh, in February, I believe, or early March, uh-huh. um, and they have not hired anyone as the defensive coordinator because uh, the way it was phrased is Leslie Frazier isn't retired permanently; he's taking a one-year leave.
2: We're on so a he break. just,
0: yeah, he's just on a break right now, and the expectation is that he will be back with Buffalo next year. Uh-huh. So I think. What their plan is is for Sean McDermott to call the defense this year. Uh, I mean, he I was going to say
1: that jokingly, just like Billy B. But yeah, a real thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he um he has eight years of experience as a defensive coordinator, so okay. it's not like this is out of his realm. That's what he was before he became the Bills' head coach. Gotcha. Um, so it, it appears likely that he will be the one who actually calls their defense. They also have a passing game coordinator in you know defensive pass game coordinator in place that I'm sure will help McDermott and sort of assume those responsibilities when McDermott has to be a head coach and cannot be like the coordinator at that moment. So I I it, they'll probably platoon it, but it seems like Sean McDermott will call the defense in that one year leave of absence for Leslie Frazier. A lot of respect for Leslie Frazier, so that I'm I'm glad that they're like giving him the ear and not feeling like they got to replace him and um, you know, I think part of that is because Leslie Frazier is so well respected around the league. Um, looking at that Dolphins or that <laughs> Bills <laughs> depth chart, you know, right now, um, offensive line, they went and said, we're going to get better at the guard spots. Very clear. That's what they decided to do. That the tackle spots, you know, Dion Dawkins and Spencer Brown, um, feel pretty solidified. David Quisenberry could be another guy who could maybe play a little bit of right tackle for them. If it's things aren't working out with Spencer Brown or he gets hurt. Um, and then picking up Connor McGovern and free agency, as well as drafting Osiris Torrance, feels like, well, if those guys will play the guard spots. They also picked up David Edwards, another guard that could possibly play and Ryan Bates. And then they have Mitch Morse, who's been a pretty good center for him. Um, Obviously, at quarterback, Josh Allen. But I did mention that uh, Chase Keenum left in free agency. They brought in Kyle Allen, um, Josh's long-lost cousin, to be his backup. (laughs) Um, So now they got the Allen bros at quarterback, little Allen quarterback room. And then at running back, they have an interesting running back room because I mentioned Devin Singletary leaving. I think they're ready for James Cook to assume responsibilities there. But they also brought in Damian Harris on the cheap. And he should be a – he's a really good player. I like him. I think he could spell Cook. And then they also have Naheem Hines, who's kind of their like, you know, kick returner, punt returner, third down specialty back, you know, can do a little bit of trickster stuff for him. So they oh, actually have a pretty pretty good running back room that I like, um, assuming that James Cook can can be the lead guy, or maybe Damian Harris can, can be the lead guy. But um, from a receiver standpoint, you know, they have Diggs. I think Khalil Shakir steps into that slot receiver spot that is left vacated by Isaiah McKenzie again. The other kind of young player I was mentioning that I think they thought was ready to step in. Shout out to Shakir too because he's from, uh, you know, the the Temecula. You know, played at Vista <laughs> Pareda. So, shout out to him for making it in the league. And then um, they also have Deontay Hardy there you know, that they brought in free agency, he could potentially be a starter for them as well. And then Gabe Davis and Trent Sherfield kind of round out the rest of their receivers. Tight end, strong tight end, tight end room. Drafting Dalton Kincaid in the first round to go with Dawson Knox. Don't be surprised to see the Bills and some 12 personnel this year with Diggs and Davis as the two receivers, Kincaid and Knox as the two tight ends. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky, uh, dirty combination I mean, of skill players. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Defensively, they have a deep front, deep front, dude. Vaughn Miller, A.J. Espinessa, Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham, all as guys who could play on the edge for them, um, all very productive players in the league. Then inside, Daquan Jones and Puna Ford. Ed Oliver and Tim Settle playing inside for them as well. I really like this Bill's defensive front. It's taken them years, you know, like three years of building, <laughs> drafting, bringing in players in free agency, all of that. But they've done a really good job, I think, of building that front. And then behind them, you've got Matt Milano, who's been awesome there for years at the at the Will linebacker spot. Terrell Bernard and Dorian Williams will likely compete for that Mike spot stepped up to fill the void left by Tremaine Edmonds. Um, again, he's going to be a tough guy to – to replace. Go over that in a little bit. That's a preview there for you. And then at the nickel slot, I think Teron Johnson, but then also maybe Taylor Rapp could play there. I said that earlier. Um and then you look at the the secondary, you know, Tradavius White and then uh Kair, Alam and Christian Benford Benford playing at the other corner spot with um Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and then once again Taylor Rapp as their safeties. I think this Bills defense is going to be interesting this year. They lost Leslie Frazier, their leader on defense, and they lost Tremaine Edmonds, their you know um, leader on the field. So a little bit of new leadership on defense. I am very curious to see how they perform. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, their schedule, at least in my eyes, compared to yours, I thought was a little bit tougher. They start off week one, obviously, like we mentioned, Monday night against the Jets. In New York. Or is it in Jersey, huh? I guess that's where it really is. Yeah. Then they play the Raiders at home. They travel to D.C. against the Commanders. Week 3. Week 4, they got the Dolphins at home. Week 5, they got the ultimate travel. Just like uh, I think the Dolphins is. Yeah, they're going to London. They're not going to Germany. They're going to London against the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Could be tough. With uh Trevor Lawrence picking up gears over there. Yeah, they're play Sunday night, and oh, at home. Sorry, against the Giants Sunday night, week six. Week seven, they travel to to New England play the Patriots. Then they got Thursday night game against the Bucks at home. Week nine, they're going to Cincy to play the Bengals on a Sunday night game. They they have a, a lot of games right here for their prime time. Mm-hmm. Week 10, they're playing the Broncos at home on a Monday night game. What was that Uh, the little bed right there? What was that indicating?
0: Yeah, so oh. that is the Broncos get the bye week the week before. Gotcha. So, so they're going um,
1: to rest that week to play. Yeah,
0: week. one thing I think people don't pay enough attention to is the rest discrepancy week to week you know generally it's a very good indicator of who may win a game is if it, if one team is have you know has a rest advantage over the other team whether that's coming off the bye coming off the Thursday night football game the week before when the other team played on Sunday right so you have an yeah. extra 3 days of prep um yeah and you know so i think that's always something to keep your eye on is just if you have a rest advantage over your opponent and in this case You know, the the Broncos will have that rest advantage over the Bills. And then obviously, you know, every team has it coming off their own bye, or unless the other team is also coming off a bye, that actually does happen quite (laughs) a bit. Um, But this is, you know, one one week on the schedule. That's one of those games where it's like everyone probably looks at that, okay, the Bills, they were a better team than the Broncos last year. The Bills will beat the Broncos. But then you really look at it, and you're like, hey, the Broncos have the bye week the week before. It's a Monday night football game, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's a sneaky, tough game for the Bronc- or for the uh, the Bills. So just something to keep your eye on. And week eleven, they're playing the Jets again, except so this time at
1: home. And they're playing in Philly against the Eagles, week twelve, which leads them to their bye week week thirteen. And then they're playing the Chiefs, tough one on the road. The meat of the schedule right here for the yeah. Bills. They're playing the Cowboys at home. Then they're on the road again, traveling across the whole country, playing in SoFi against the Chargers on a Sunday night game. Then they stay in Buffalo against the Patriots right here. Then they close out on the road in Miami against the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, I think that last five weeks coming out of the bye is going to be a rough stretch for them. They got to go to the Chiefs versus the Cowboys at the Chargers versus the Patriots at the Dolphins. Three road games um you know including the chiefs and chargers are just those are going to be two tough games you know um, two divisional games to finish out the year and then obviously the cowboys so this is uh i think those last 5 weeks will be very telling in terms of whether or not the bills are truly a contender yeah um i think their quote unquote easy stretch is weeks 2 through 8 um, playing the Commanders, Buccaneers, Giants at home, getting to go you know to the uh, or the Raiders I should say the Raiders, Giants, Bucks at home, and then you know going to the Commanders. They've got those two divisional games with the Patriots and the Dolphins, and then obviously the London game versus Jacksonville I think is a is a tough one. But that to me that stretch I see them beating the Raiders, the Commanders. The Giants, the Buccaneers, right? I think all four of those should be wins for them, and then the tough games being the division games, and then the Jacksonville game in London will be tougher. But I would anticipate them um, coming out of that stretch probably, you know, five and two in that in that seven game stretch.
2: So, but
0: in in general, I think this Bills team. Um, despite some small changes in leadership on defense. At the end of the day, they still have an MVP candidate playing quarterback, and when you have that, I think that's just good for 12 wins. <laughs> that means you're going to win 12 games, you know, when you have an MVP guy playing at that level, and I anticipate Josh Allen will, you know, giving him Dalton Kincaid just another weapon offensively, helping boost the offensive line with drafting Osias Torrance and bringing in – um Connor McGovern, I I just think their offense is going to be humming so much that even if their defense has a little bit of faults, and also don't underestimate them getting Von Miller back healthy. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think that that Bills team wins twelve games. Yeah, so I had them
1: going ten and seven. I think mainly it was just like that stretch down the road you talked about being tough, like home away, home away, home away. You know what I mean? It's, and those those opponents aren't easy. You yeah, got the Chiefs, the Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins—like that's all. It's all gonna be tough. And then, uh, obviously, with the Jets getting better, that's another reason why I got that many losses on the schedule. And then the Eagles and the Bengals—I think also ones that are very tough for them. And I think that, like you said, with the weeks two through like eight, Commanders, Dolphins, Jaguars. Giants, I guess you could throw them in there, maybe, in the bugs like all very winnable games like that. That you'll see, I think you could see them starting off hot, and then mm-hmm. down the road of the season, that's when it starts starts flipping on their luck. But I mean, 10-7 is where I have them finishing. Let's see, how do you think? Or I guess how does how does the replacement look for their guy Leslie Frazier? That that he quote-unquote, retired, and then lose the loss of Tremaine Edmonds affect the Bills this year?
0: Yeah. um, I was thinking, you know, the most recent game the Bills played, it was a loss of the Bengals, but Tremaine Edmonds played really well in that game. Um, You know, it's interesting. He had over 100 tackles in all five years in the league that he's played. Um, He led the Bills in tackles in 2018, 2019, 2021, and 2022. And in 2020, when he didn't lead them in tackles, he was second to Jordan Poyer, who had an unbelievable year with 124 tackles. So he's basically led their team in tackles in four out of five years, and the the one year he didn't, he was second. Um, He started 74 games in that five-year span and had five picks as well. So pretty versatile guy, but just like very – and I found some clips in this Bengals game just as I was watching it. Like, okay, let me see where his impact was. And he played a really good game. Um, despite their you know, their defense not playing well as a whole and them losing this game, he played very well. So here he is in the middle. You'll see him getting back in his pass, pass drop. Yeah. That's something that a lot of linebackers struggle with. And it's actually interesting. Him and Matt Milano are both very good at this. You know, they're very mobile linebackers. And so he, you know, even as he gets sucked up by the play action fake early for a second or the, you know, the, the appearance of just the back going across wasn't even a fake. He's able to still get depth in his drop and affect this, the catch of this throw, right? Gets yeah. in that, the guy's in that, in that spot and, you know, puts a, puts a hit on the guy as he drops the ball. Here's another one. He's isolated right now on the number three receiver, and that's Jamar Chase. All right? He's out here one-on-one. Now, if Jamar Chase runs vertical, he's got safety help behind him. But, like, on the little in-and-out route here, he's essentially isolated. Now it becomes two-on-one, the way this route turns out. But, again, how many linebackers in the league do you know that would just overrun this tackle? Because I've seen a lot of them, especially yeah. against Jamar Chase, and he makes that play, right? Right? In the stat sheet, it just goes down as like a tackle guy gained six yards, <laughs> but the, this this kind of player is the difference between. Look at this: if he misses this tackle, where Jamar Chase is going?
1: Yeah, open field against two safeties.
0: <laughs> that's the difference between a five because yard he's catch and tackle. At
1: the, the other corner too. If he if he misses this, he's probably hitting the corner, shedding him from making that tackle early too.
0: Yeah. So this is the difference. You know, a player making this play is the difference between a five yard catch and tackle. And a, you know, 80-yard touchdown, possibly. (laughs) So he makes a big difference. Here he is again right here coming downhill on the run, and you see his strength to just, like, yank Joe Mixon back. Like, (laughs) come on, you're not going anywhere. Um, So he's just multifaceted. Did a lot of things for them, run and pass. There's a reason he had so many tackles. Boom, meets him in the hole, brings him backwards, right? This one's even more impressive. It's going to get isolated with Joe Mixon one-on-one, right? You can see him. He's behind the little play button here. He's got to run him down. Again, that's another play in space that just a lot of linebackers struggle to make. This is a drill that we actually do with guys in terms of finding the angle and, and running on this guy's near hip, right, and just tracking that near hip, not getting cut back on, right? This is like the most scary position for any linebacker to be <laughs> in one-on-one with all this space with the, with one of the more shifty running backs in the league right Joe Mixon and he runs him down runs right through that hip again it's another 5 6 yard gain but the difference between him making that tackle and not is you know possibly a touchdown and not right yeah. so i do think that's, that's a big impact that's, that's a, a guy, guy that they're going to miss and I'm, I'm not sure that they have what i would see on the, would see on the roster would want to see on the roster to, to just replace him, replace him. Um, the, the tandem, tandem of him, him and Matt Milano have been, been really, really good there, there for 5 years, years. And And not not having Tremaine Edmonds is going to hurt, I believe. believe. So So I wouldn't be surprised surprised if they start start slower on defense. defense. However, as I said, that offense is still so good that I think they'll be okay.
1: Which leads us to the fourth and final team of this division. We're looking at the New England Patriots. They got a record of 8-9 and last year, making them finish third in the division. And they ended up not making the playoffs. It was the the Bills and the Dolphins cut that out.
0: Yeah, they lost a couple guys that they, um, you know, went and signed in free agency a couple years ago. I mean, Jacoby oh. Myers is, was a homegrown guy, but Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar, a couple guys they signed two years ago in free agency when Bill Belichick went on his um, unusual splurge. Um, <laughs> they also lost Brian Hoyer as the backup quarterback. Um, and then um, Damian Harris, who I mentioned, you know, he went to the Bills. Um, and then they added Juju Smith-Schuster. Very interested to see how that works out. But even more important maybe is Riley Reef, added to that O-line. That's really big for them to shore up that right tackle spot. Um, they added Mike Jacecki, an interesting tight end weapon. And then um, also added um, running back James Robinson, who – um obviously it was cut by the the uh the Jags and then um the the Jets added him last year when when their guy went down or I believe maybe it was a trade. I can't remember if the Jags traded him to the Jets or cut him and the Jets signed him, but one way or another he was with the Jets most most recently and the, the Patriots added him to their backfield. So um interesting losses and additions from the Patriots. I think they Overall, came out on top and got better with, with free agency this year, honestly. Yeah, and even even better, they got our guy Christian Gonzalez, the corner
1: out of Oregon. That's huge. We talked about him a little bit. We were both big on him. Mm-hmm. They got an edge rusher, Keon White, and a linebacker, Marty Mapu.
0: So they're just getting guys for Bill Belichick on
1: that defense.
0: Hey, I'm going to tell you, Marte Mapu is a Bill Belichick. Like, he's going to be... I think this defense got so much better in the draft this year. Marte Mapu is going to be really good. I'm just telling uh, you, I got, I got to look forward to watching that day because I don't I, know he, nothing about. He's him. out of, he's out of Sac State, so he's oh. a California yeah, yeah, Sac, Sacramento State, and um, just, just, I'm telling you, I think all three of these guys actually. I was not super high on Keon White coming out either out of Georgia Tech. I mean, I thought he was a good player. He wasn't in my top five edge rushers or anything like that, but. Come on. I think all three of these guys just – they make sense with Bill Belichick. When I saw <laughs> those picks, I was like, ooh. I think he went three for three on that. And those all three dudes, are going to contribute to their defense this year. So yeah. don't be surprised if if that's the case. And we come back thinking, man, the Patriots had a great draft.
1: Yeah, no, I know. Well, I'm looking forward now because the, <laughs> the way I looked at it, it, was it wasn't looking too good. But – you <laughs> the management and coaching staff to be, be you guys got to bear with me. You got a lot of Belichick's coming out. So we got Billy <laughs> B, uh, the GM and head coach. So I'm like, I had to run and everything. I mean, if this was last year, he would be, he'd be across the board. <laughs> but the, they, they have a offensive coordinator at Bill O'Brien and then they got his son, right? That's
0: who that is. The DC mm-hmm. Steve Belichick. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Bill O'Brien is going to be a huge addition to this team. I'm just telling you, huge. Um, looking at their offense, up front, I don't think anyone's looking at that offensive line and being like, oh, the Patriots have one of the better offensive lines in the league. I'll just tell you, I think between Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Wenyu, and now Riley Reef, that it's it's a good unit. I don't think no. it's... Um, blown anyone away like I said but I think it's a good unit Um, I think it's improved from last year I think the fact that they're going to have a real O-line coach this year and again this is no offense to the guys they had coaching on their offensive staff last year but those guys didn't coach offensive football before last year they were all defensive and special teams guys so this is a no offense <laughs> thing but like seriously they have a real O-line coach now you know I mean I just think that's going to be better yeah. um at quarterback, you know, obviously they got Mac Jones and then Bailey Zappi backing him up. Uh, at running back, you know, they have a trio of Ramadre Stevenson who's been really good. Ty Montgomery is like the third down back. Um, and then James Robinson, um, who I who I mentioned earlier. Um, the receiver spots, interesting kind of group. Like a lot of sort of unproven, but like definitely talented players between Kendrick Bourne. Tyquan Thornhill, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know I love my guy, Kayshawn Boudet, who they <laughs> drafted in the sixth round. I think he's going to be really good. Devontae Parker and then DeMario Douglas. Um, so they have an interesting group of, of receivers there, six guys who I think could all potentially be pretty good. Um, and then at, at tight end, really interesting tight end room, Hunter Henry and Mike Jacecki. Um, I think they are hoping Jacecki will give them what John U. Smith never quite did give them that? I think they were hoping John o. Smith would give them more when he they signed him. I think oh. uh, they're hoping Jaceki maybe does um, as that like kind of pass catching tight end to go with all the things Hunter Henry does. Defensively up front, you're looking at Matthew Judon. Um, you know, behind him, Josh Uche. And on the other side, they got Diedrich Weiss Jr. and then their new draft pick, Keon White. Uh, then inside, Devin Goodshaw. Lawrence Guy, and Christian Barrymore. Um, that, that front is a pretty good front. A lot of like what I it, – it compares a lot to what I said about the Bills front where it's just been built over the you know the course of years with draft picks and free agent signings, and it just – it goes really well. I think they actually have a really good group up front. Um, behind those guys, I really – I'm telling you, I like um, Marte Mapu and then Jawan Bentley – as well, and then also Raquan McMillan. They have a decent group of linebackers. Mapu's going to be like – Mapu's kind of a safety linebacker hybrid guy. I think in the league he's going to play linebacker, but he's just going to be a very mobile linebacker at that will linebacker spot. Um mm-hmm. And then at the nickel spot, Jonathan Jones. Um, and then at corner, Jack Jones, who was, was really good last year, going with Christian Gonzalez on the other side and then having Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar at the safety spots, as well as still having a couple talented guys, Jalen Mills and Jabril Peppers. So I really like their secondary. I think yeah. this is what I think this Patriot team is going to be really, really good defensively. They're young and talented in the secondary. They're young and talented in the linebackers. They're young and talented up front. They don't have a lot of like names that jump out at you, but I think that defense is going to be a very, very good defense with Belichick running the show and then all that talent. Um, I think don't be surprised if they're one of the better defenses in the league. And then offensively, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I think Bill O'Brien's going to be a much better guy running the show there. It's just they just have to recover kind of still from from what they did last year. So, um, but yeah, I mean, let's look at the schedule.
1: Yeah, week one, they're playing the Eagles at home. Tough off the start. They got the Dolphins at home for the following week on a Sunday night game. Then they're traveling for a couple games. They're playing in Jersey against the Jets, and they gotta go to Texas playing the Cowboys. Week five, this brings us to them playing the Saints at home. Week six, they're traveling to Vegas playing the Raiders. Week seven, they're against the Bills at home, and they're on the road again. You know, here we go with the common name of. Home away, home away. You're playing the Dolphins on the road in Miami. Then they got two home, or er, nope, that's a lie. They're playing the Commanders at home week nine. Then they got to travel to Germany, play the Colts. Could be fun you get to see some young dudes go at it in Germany. Then they hit their bye week following that game. Playing in Jersey again against the Giants this time. Week 13, playing the Chargers at home. Then they got a couple primetime games here. They're playing week 14 at Pittsburgh on a Thursday night game. Week 15, next week after that, they're playing the Chiefs on a Monday night game. That's tough. Monday night. Week 16, they're traveling to Denver playing the Broncos on a Sunday night game. Then they got 17 at Buffalo against the Bills. And Then week 18, they close out at home versus the Jets.
0: I'm just going to tell you right now, those final six games are tough. Just, I mean, they have three primetime games in a row. Yeah. They're going to play three out of those six are on the road, including back-to-back road games in Denver and Buffalo in late December, early January. Again, yeah. I've said this before with a couple other teams. That end of the schedule is just brutal. It's just going to be a tough stretch. I mean, this AFC East is pretty good, and all these teams kind of have to play each other in those last few weeks. And yeah. so it's just gonna be I think it's gonna be like a bloodbath for who who's getting the division crown, who's finishing second and getting to the playoffs, and then who's still potentially fighting as for a shot. wild card yeah. as as the third team too, you know, and then you know having to play the other teams like the a f c West the chiefs and the Broncos, and the Chargers during that time as well is just yeah. i mean it's yeah. almost like the Patriots those final you know five weeks, six weeks of the season, it's like they're playing every sort of rival they've had, right? I mean, they got to play the Chargers, which I don't know that I would call a rivalry, but there've been a lot of just like interesting and weird games between the Chargers and Patriots over the years. You know, you think about uh-huh. it. There's just been so many playoff moments between those two teams. <laughs> you know, it seems like the Patriots always win, but that, that's yeah, just, they've that's had a true. lot of moments. The Steelers and Patriots, certainly since 2000 has just been a rivalry back and forth. <laughs> um, the Chiefs since really Mahomes and Andy Reid were at the Chiefs. I mean, you know what I mean? That, that's that been a rivalry yeah. for them. The Broncos, certainly, when it was Brady and Manning and, and all that, and then obviously the Bills and Jets finishing out the year with two division opponents. So it just kind of feels like I basically it's six straight, like, grudge match rivalry games, including three on prime time, and you got to go three on the road. I just think that's that's a really hard stretch. If they go three yeah. and three in that stretch – based on the rest of their schedule they may be they may be a playoff team you know what i mean like that may be a real thing for them um you know but they they have a little bit of an easier stretch i think week 6 through 10 like right before the bye you know at the raiders yeah um the bills and at dolphins you know division games could be tough they could maybe they can split those and then i think the commanders and colts they should win those two games i would i would anticipate those both yeah. being wins even though they have to travel to germany for that colts game but i mean i think they could pretty easily win you know maybe four out of those five at least three out of those five but the rest of their schedule so hard that i was like man i don't i don't see them getting out with a winning record i think so it would take it would take a lot despite what i think their defense may look like and what their improvement offensively may look like and my record prediction here doesn't doesn't show it. I have them finishing exactly <laughs> where they did last year at eight nine. Well, I mean if that happens, I think it's better than what I
1: have them going at six and eleven. I mean, the way I see it, it's just the thing I don't know where they get catch a win, honestly. They're like Eagles, tough. Jets, both those games are gonna be tough. Cowboys are gonna be tough. Like the Saints, possible I don't know for them to pull that one out, but who knows? Derek Carr could go out there and start slinging the ball like crazy. And then we got the Commanders. I should be a dub right there, right? And the Colts. So that's like three potential ones right there. Like maybe they pull off the Broncos one, like in the Steelers, you know. But those are still kind of tough, and especially yeah. if the Broncos get it rolling late in the year, like. And that's yeah, not
0: guaranteed. Denver on a Sunday night. Yeah. yeah. And then,
1: like I, like I mentioned with the Giants, like, maybe they pull it off. It could be a close one. Maybe game-winning field goal either way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I have them finishing at 6-11. and 11. I, I think it's
0: going to be tough. And I think – have... uh, Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. Well, I was you're just going to say, I think – Like, I think they're going to be a better football team this year. I just think they, they overachieved last year. Like I don't know how that team went eight and nine last year. Be I almost feel like they should have been like a five and twelve, six and eleven <laughs> team that finished eight and nine. Yeah. And so I actually think they're a much better team this year. I think they're eight and nine this year. But really, my thought is that I, I think they're just a little young. Yeah. Gotcha. They're a little yeah. bit young, and it's new with Bill O'Brien coming in as the offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of learning curve for Mac, even though I think it'll be better for him. I so I, I just don't know that they're ready to. I would not be surprised though if this team is eight nine nine and eight this year, but then next year is ready to contend for the division. You know, as long as Bill is still there, the next year I, I do think that. there's a lot of really good young talent on this team that's ready to to step in, especially on defense. Man, I I really think they have a. I like Judon. I like Bearmore. I like Diedrich Weiss. I like Mapu. I like Bentley. I like Christian Gonzalez. I like Jack Jones. Like I think there's a lot of guys hey, on the defense it. That, Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys on the defense that could be really good. So, um, but but go ahead. I know you want to ask me something. Oh yeah,
1: uh, I'm assuming that's Christian Gonzalez right there, right? Number zero. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Bro, the zero's sick. I'm going do that. Yeah, they're no, they're letting him do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then the bigger question I had was. Who do you think are the playmakers on this team, either offensively or defensively? And do you think that Bill O'Brien could help figure out these things with Mac Jones?
0: Well, playmakers, I think that's where my real question is. I think they have to have some young guys step up in order for them to exceed expectations. I'm not sure that they will have enough of them step up quite yet. Like I love Keyshawn Butte, but I think it's a lot to ask for him to be like <laughs> one of their three best offensive players this year. You yeah. know what I mean? And that would potentially what he would need to be for them to be something much better. Um, what I will say is this. Bill O'Brien is going to bring a professional offense to the Patriots. Um, you look at where Max numbers were in 2021 with Josh McDaniels. You know, Bill O'Brien is going to bring a similar ideology, I think, to them offensively. Um, and I'll show you kind of what that, the, the, the similarities and what he and Josh do. And that will help Mac, I think, return to form. But, you know, Mac through completed 68% of his passes through for almost 4,000 yards, hit 22 touchdowns and 13 picks as a rookie. Then okay. he comes back in year two with Matt Patricia <laughs> running in the offense and coaching the offensive line. Uh, again, remind you, That guy was a defensive coordinator in the NFL for years and a successful one at that, but just had not been an offensive coach in the NFL. And I still don't understand how that happened. It still doesn't make sense to me. Um, But, you know, max numbers showed like he, he dipped in his completion percentage, only 65%. He dipped in his passing yards. He was only around 3000. He dipped Mm -hmm. in his touchdowns. He was only 14 touchdowns. And then his, Picks actually went down. He was 11 picks, but just, I mean, in general, he was just a worse football player overall with what they did last year. And so I think if you look at tape from the last time Bill O'Brien was in the NFL, he's calling plays for the the Texans in 2019 or 2020, I believe. I can't remember now. Uh, But this is that playoff game between the Bills and the Texans. So I just want to look at the series of play calls for the Texans on this drive. The Texans came back and win this game um, after being down 16-0, to right? And so they start the play. They're going to run a little split ISO, right? Go get 10 yards with the running back. Sweet. Okay, next play of the drive. Now they're going to come back out. They love that 11 personnel look. Run tight end, one back, three receivers. Go. Now he's going to throw a quick game. Flat to the receiver. Go get five yards. All right, good. Keep the drive going. Second and five. Here we go. What's next? We're going to bring a little motion, right? Play action. Get the ball vertical down the field. Stretch the defense. Fantastic. Right? This is this is really good play calling. Get the ball in your hands of playmakers. Oh, now we come back to the split zone. All right? Right? Split action, I should say. Now we're going to run a little power. Counter. Now we get to, to third and eight. We're going to let, you know, Deshaun, go make a play and find his best receiver and get him the ball, first down. Now, that's a drive that became a touchdown, right? But the sequence of play calling, you could see how the offense is built upon itself, play call by play call. That's a guy who's in a rhythm. That's a guy who understands who his quarterback is. That's a guy who understands who his playmakers are. And this is a game, you know, this goes back to last year um, or two years ago with Josh McDaniels at the helm, and you'll see a very similar style of play calling, right? What do they start with? Hey, that split ISO action. It's like the exact same play, right? Go yeah. get 10 yards running the football. Okay, now bring a little motion, right? Interesting that you see more motions and shifts. Play action. Get the ball out. Okay, go get three, three yards, two yards. yards, right? Keep the drive going. Okay, now we're going to be creative and put our tight end in motion. Give him a jet sweep and let Jonu Smith, our tight end, go get us you know six yards on first down. Again, you see more motion. We got a second and longer situation. This is not ideal. Play action pass. Screen. Okay, here we go. We go get pick up. Yep. This is tight end. tight end again. Getting the ball to playmakers. Here we go. This is another creative play. Now we're got a little nub side. Oh, backwards pass, double pass, touchdown. Again, the sequence of play calling. It makes sense. It's professional. It's organized. I think. This is where McDaniels and O'Brien are very similar play callers. They can get into a rhythm. They understand where they want to get the ball to. And I think that's just so helpful for a quarterback, especially one like Mac Jones. I do not think Mac Jones is an elite quarterback in the NFL, but I do think he's good enough that you can build an offense around him that will win. You know what I'm saying? I I think if you're asking him to – make plays and bail you out all the time, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, But I think if you're saying, Hey, we can build a team around him that can go win and be a true contender. I think that's realistic. And I think last year they were not doing that for him. They were asking him to win and do too much because he had to carry too much of the load offensively. And he was not ready for that. And it showed in his play. And I think Bill O'Brien will bring another level of understanding, you know, in terms of calling and, his play calling and sequencing and all that good stuff that is gonna help Mac, I think, get back to what he looked more like his rookie year. So while I think the Pats probably missed the playoffs this year, I think they'll be and even I even have them finishing with the same record. I think they'll actually be improved though. I think it won't be like a fool's gold yeah. eight nine. I think it'll be a legitimate eight nine. So that's my read on them. Um yeah.
1: Gonna be fun to see with them actually being able to run plays on the offense, given a guy who understands offensive schemes and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: So just to wrap up here, I have my final standings at Bills twelve and five, Jets eleven and six, Dolphins ten and seven, Patriots eight and nine, and then I've got you, Jody, at Jets thirteen and four, Bills ten and seven, Dolphins eight and nine. Patriots 6-11. and 11. I think we both agree you're probably getting two teams out of this division of the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would think, say so. I, and I mean, if we had to pick them, it's probably the Jets and the, the Bills. Jets and the Bills. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of where we're both at right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the Dolphins could sneak in. Maybe the Patriots, Dolphins or Patriots, could sneak in one of the two. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like the Jets and the Bills are probably playoff teams this year. Yeah. yeah. But this is the segment everyone's been waiting for, right here. <laughs> it's your week, my oh, man. Banger, yeah, banger of the week. So this
1: one, it was a little bit. I'm going back to the music. I, I I don't know why I've been having this song in my head the past like couple days. Just like changing my genre of music just to go hear this song. Okay, so I'm rolling with California Day by Common Kings. So it's, it's a reggae band. They okay. uh I actually saw them live and that's the first time I ever heard the song. And I don't know, the past couple of days has been in my head, so y'all can go check that one out. All
0: right. Expanding the repertoire, I see. I yeah, like a it. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, man. Well, so check that out. And also check out our guy Ray Riley, who's gonna be taking us out today. And also don't be afraid to come back next week because we're talking about the NFC East. So all you Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, <laughs> and uh, and Giants fans, come back and figure out what we think their their year is going to look like. But until then, we got our guy Ray. Ray, take us out, sir.